You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified every time we drop a brand new episode, which is every Tuesday and Thursday if you are new here. All right, I have a question for you, just real talk. Who here has started saving for retirement? Raise your hand or don't because you haven't, no shame. (laughs) Another question, who here knows exactly how to pay themselves as an entrepreneur? especially one whose work might be seasonal and it fluctuates throughout the year. Raise your hand or don't. No shame again. (laughs) If your hand didn't raise on either of those, this episode is for you. And Loki, even if your hand raised, this episode is still going to be gold. (laughs) We are chatting with Michael Eckstein, an accountant and business advisor. He helps small business owners increase profitability, fix cash flow, and create business strategy so they can enjoy more date nights, take more vacations, and build their personal wealth. All good things, right? <laughs> Today, we sat down with him and chatted all about cash flow as an entrepreneur, knowing how to pay yourself, figuring out your hourly rate, and how we should go about saving for retirement. Because as entrepreneurs, we don't have that nice nine to five company taking money out of our paycheck each and every month for a 401k, right? We got to be proactive and do that ourselves. Michael breaks down all of that for us. And we just have honestly an honest, open, real chat about money, saving, and legacy. Let's get to the show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're excited for this conversation. Cool. Good. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Well, okay, for our audience who might not know who you are, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story? How did you get to where you are today? All right. So my name is Michael Eckstein. Uh, I'm an accountant and business advisor. So while I do all the compliance things like tax returns, accounting, that sort of thing, I also help clients with their business. I help them increase their profitability, fix their cash flow, create business strategy and goals. So they can enjoy more date nights, more vacations, you know, build their personal wealth. You know, I'm not just doing tax returns, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have a fun origin story. You know, I'm not Superman. I'm just an accountant. Uh, I pretty much became an accountant because my dad's an accountant and uh, I'm better at numbers than I am at reading, if we're being honest, right? (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Um, There was a bit of a shift for me and I guess how I got to where I am right now as being an advisory accountant. Uh, I've always been kind of an accountant that uh, actually talked to their clients as opposed to that other kind of accountant that's like, give me your documents and get out of my office. I can never pick up their Mm -hmm. phone. I'm sure you've had them at one point or another, (laughs) right? They just like don't care. And I was always a kind of accountant that spoke to clients, helped clients with their businesses. Like a lot of my quote unquote tax appointments were really sitting and talking about businesses, right? Looking at people's websites, that sort of thing. 
So as time went on, I eventually decided, you know, let's structure this, make it a thing. We'll do monthly meetings. We'll do weekly accountability calls. We'll set goals and tasks and, you know, make it more valuable than it already is. And that's how I got here. That's amazing. Oh, so fun. Okay. Well then I would love to hear you talk a little bit in that journey. Was it because Mm -hmm. your passion for numbers or how do you feel you became kind of passionate about like profitability and cash flow and growing wealth and all of that? Mm -hmm. How did that tie into kind of following in your dad's footsteps? So I actually took my accounting firm in a slightly different path. He's still a very compliance-based accountant doing tax returns, stuff like that. For me, I kind of pivoted into advisory, right? Nice. Because I felt like it was missing. You know, I Mm. had lots of small business clients and they were good at what they did. They cared about their clients, their employees, you know, cared about doing good work. But something just kind of fell between the cracks when it came to finances. It's not Uh their fault. It's not anyone's fault that's listening to this because you're just not taught. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. says become an entrepreneur or open your business. But at no point does anyone teach you about any of the things. And then you're out there and you're in the field and you're doing stuff. And then it just like, it starts hitting you. You know, you're like, oh no, how do I do this? Oh no, how do I do that? And then there's all this kind of higher level stuff that you're never taught. No one ever teaches you. No one has a conversation with you because they feel like, you know, maybe you're not big enough. You know, you can't afford the $50,000 consultant to come fix your systems. Mm-hmm. They're just, you're kind of left to your own devices. And uh-huh. I felt like a lot of my clients kind of fell in that area and, you know, they just needed the help with it. So, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And I think that's so, that's so freaking true too mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship and just getting started in business. There's so much you don't know, which yeah. is, you know, so much of the journey and part of the process, which is great. But I think when it comes to especially like numbers, like whether that's mm-hmm. taxes or, you know, revenue streams or diversifying your, you know, revenue portfolio or like whatever you want to talk about when it comes to money, I think maybe also this is probably a little t- side tangent. So we don't have to go off on this, but I go think there's it. probably like the money mindset stuff too comes into play here where a lot of people have, uh, fears about money. They, they're not comfortable with money. They have issues with, you know, wealth and mm-hmm. if they're wealthy, like just, I think there's probably a lot of mindset stuff too, as well as just not being educated in how to navigate the finances that all kind of come to a head where entrepreneurs, I feel, especially small business owners really struggle with the numbers in their business. So I love that you just saw that, noticed that and ran at it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think it's another reason why we love talking to people like you on this show um, and just providing, I mean, our audience is a lot of creative entrepreneurs and it's just an, it, mm-hmm. like bringing them education for free in in a podcast format that is really just fun to listen to. And then also just like educates them on the things that they not not weren't necessarily taught growing up. So thank you for being yeah. on the show, first of all. No, um, no problem. And Happy then that kind of lead, leads me to my next question, which, like I said, a lot of our listeners are creative entrepreneurs. And I, I think that there's like a huge problem in that we don't know as creative entrepreneurs how to pay ourselves. Like we get into this business and we're usually mm-hmm. doing, at least for us in the creative entrepreneur industry, we're usually turning a creative hobby into something that we love. And then we're just trying to monetize it. And we're not thinking strategically from like a business mind. And, and when you're self-employed, 
sometimes you're in an industry where your income might fluctuate from month to month. I know Evie and I started as photographers and that's a very common thing where like the summer months, especially as a wedding photographer, you might get paid more. Whereas in the winter, depending on where you live, is usually a drier season. People aren't getting married as much. So I guess my question to you is, how do you go about logistically paying yourself as an entrepreneur? What advice would you have? Okay. So just to clarify, do you mean paying yourself or initial pricing? Let's do paying yourself and then we'll get into pricing a little bit later. All right. Let's do it all, right? Okay, perfect. Um, So when it comes to paying yourself, uh, there's really two questions in there. There's one, you know, legally, how do you pay yourself? And then two you know, especially with photography, how do you deal with seasonality in your business, right? So for legally paying yourself, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say, you should speak to your accountant because (laughs) you should. And, you know, my five, 10 minute spiel here is not enough of an education in your business. And there are a lot of different nuances depending on, you know, where your business is, whether you're in the US, maybe you're listening from another country, you know, what state you're in, what entity you have. Mm -hmm. But just to give you the basic general rule, which you totally isn't tax advice, right? Uh, if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC taxes a sole proprietor, you take your pay by taking a draw of the profits from your business bank account, right? Which you should have. You should have a separate business bank account, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an S-corp, uh, you have to pay yourself a salary, right? Uh, I've heard some people here or there say, oh, maybe you don't, maybe you shouldn't. But legally, if you own an S-Corp and you're an employee in the S-Corp, you have to pay yourself a salary. Yeah, that means paychecks, W-2s, payroll tax returns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much you pay yourself is a tricky question that you'll have to have a tricky conversation you'll have to have with your accountant, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. But, you know, paychecks and W-2s. And uh, on that note, as someone who's done it the old school way manually, totally just buy the software, right? It just makes it so, so much easier. <laughs> so right? true. Um, a really, I guess, one of the more well-known ones on the market right now is Gusto. It's relatively straightforward. When you set it up, ask your accountant to double check to make sure all the tax IDs are in there correctly. And then you should be able to take it from there. But it is not worth saving the money to do it yourself, right? right. So good. So what exactly mm-hmm. does Gusto do? Like it. Could you just like, just for somebody mm-hmm. who's not an accountant brain person, uh, what does, like, why do I need to buy a software called Gusto? Like, what does that do for me? So let me briefly explain how payroll tax works and how it's a little bit different, right? So when you do payroll taxes, you obviously have to pay paychecks out, right? So what Gusto will do is you can still write, you know, paper checks, but it will also direct deposit the money from your business bank account into your personal bank account. Even mm-hmm. if you're just a one-person shop and it's just you and the business, it'll still do that for you, right? Where it's really handy is it will make the tax deposits for you. So instead of having to log into what's called the EFTPS, which is the federal government portal and whatever your state and localities are, their portals and making the deposits every month or every paycheck, Gusto will do it automatically for you. They'll say, this is how much we're taking out. And then boom, the money comes out. It goes to the government. And then it'll also file the tax returns. You have to do payroll tax returns once per quarter, and it does it for you. In theory, you could do it all yourself. In reality, you'll probably pay an accountant to do the payroll tax returns. And after their fees, it would have come out to be the same price if you had used Gusto or some other software. So it's easier just to go that route. 
That's awesome. And Lindsay mm-hmm. and I are huge proponents for outsourcing, simplifying, creating systems, like things that you don't have to do yourself manually. Mm-hmm. Don't do that yourself manually. So I love that. I've heard of Gusto, but I wasn't fully aware of exactly what it did. So I love that. That's super cool. Yeah. It really simplifies everything. And the hardest part, I think, is just setting it up. And once you're set up, you can totally manage the week to week. You know, and if you are worried you might screw something up, just ask your accountant to check in once a quarter. Be like, hey, can you please look? Make sure yeah. I did everything right. Yeah. Do you recommend? Uh, I love that. Sorry, I had a question. I had another question come up. Do you recommend doing it. that versus going into your business bank account and just manually, like once a month or whatever you want to pay yourself, transferring the money from your business bank account to your personal? Mm-hmm. It depends on what your legal setup is. If you're okay. a sole proprietor or single member LLC, you can just transfer the money, right? If you were an S-Corp, you have to do the formal payroll because you're technically both the owner, yeah, but you're technically an employee. And as an employee, you're legally required to pay yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So since you're legally required to pay yourself, you have to do the paycheck, the W-2, the payroll tax returns, and Gusto takes takes, um, care of that. That's That's amazing. Super simple to understand. That's awesome. Thank you for explaining (laughs) that. (laughs) Okay, and then I want to follow up on this for because mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of our audience is photographers or they're in an industry where their payment might be seasonal or their clientele might be seasonal, like I mentioned, as a photographer in the summer versus the winter. How do you deal with paying yourself seasonally? What would you recommend for that? So when it comes to being seasonal, you really kind of have two routes, right? You can, one, augment your income. That means having an out-of-season job. So for example, if you're a wedding photographer... In Vermont, your out-of-season job could be related to the ski industry, right? They're not overlapping that much, right? Or you could augment it with a separate seasonal business or potentially other services. Let's say, for example, you are a wedding photographer. And then you could do, in the fall, kind of holiday photo shoots. There's Mm -hmm. probably a little bit of overlap, but not 100%, right? And that'll help kind of stretch your season out and get you more income throughout the year, right? The second option is just to straight up save for the rest of the year. I know, for example, in the tax accounting industry, there are some people that legit just work four months a year and just take off the rest of the year. But to do that, they A, work very hard during their season. That means putting in a lot more hours than maybe your peers and colleagues are doing. And then they really save for the the off-season. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're going to go that route, if you're going to do that, you really have to calculate and know how much money you need. So that means, you know, figuring out what your bare minimum to survive is. You know, how much does housing cost, cars, groceries, utilities? How much does it cost to keep the business running if you have employees or office space? And then the next step up is to find out how much it is to live comfortably. That means, you know, getting takeout, going out to eat, not, you know, watching every single cent, you know, continuing to make retirement contributions, that sort of thing. And just to make sure you have enough saved up for that. And then a little bit extra just in case. I love that. I think that's so good too for so many, whether you're in a seasonal business or not, I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to understand the importance and the value of saving and knowing Mm -hmm. our expenses and knowing, you know, what could come down the line. And if, you know, if we want to take a a maternity leave or, you know, Mm want to take a, a vacation and just decide to carve out two months to just shut off and travel or something like that. I think whether whether you're in a business where it's seasonal or it fluctuates or not, the importance of knowing your expenses and saving 
is so important across the board. So I love that you just address that even more specifically towards, you know, seasonal businesses. But I think anyone who's listening to this can also take, you know, a lesson from that book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Even if you're not seasonal, it never hurts to have some money set aside. You know, the general wisdom is two to three months worth of expenses in your emergency fund. And typically the kind of business that does have an emergency fund set aside is a healthier business that grows more. Because when you have money set aside, you look at decisions differently. You know, if I'm always mm-hmm. scraping for money and there's a good deal on, to keep going with the photographer theme, a new camera, you know, and it would really improve your business, better quality shots, all that sort of thing. If you don't have the money set aside, that is what it is. It's gone. If mm-hmm. you have the money set aside, you can make the move and you can purchase it. And that goes for all sorts of things, you know, maybe new employees, new office space, maybe, you know, a photography course, right? Really, whatever. Having the money on hand to make decisions really changes things. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Michael, kind of going into like a, a part two of the, the question, because you were you asked in the beginning, you know, do we want to talk about get, you know, paying yourself or pricing ourselves? So let's talk a little bit about how to price yourself as an entrepreneur and specifically maybe even hourly rates. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that and they just have a lot of question marks around the topic of how do you calculate that number? How do you know your hourly rate? How do you stand confident in that hourly rate? Mm -hmm. Do you have any like recommendations or strategies, tools, tips, things to avoid, anything Mm -hmm. like that that you can give our listeners today? Yeah, so pricing is in and of itself a very complicated uh, topic. You know, we've Mm -hmm. all heard of hourly versus flat fee versus value pricing. And, you know, no matter how many webinars you go to, a lot of it is just theory. So I guess let's talk about how it goes in real life, right? When you're first starting, uh, check out your local photographers in your area. How much are they charging? Because if they're charging that, chances are it's relatively close to the market rate. Maybe they're all undercharging. You could go a little bit higher, but it gives you a good idea to start with. Because when you first start, you know, you need to have practical real world things and no webinar is going to give that to you. And while I do personally do a lot of flat fee billing and I prefer flat fee billing, it's good to always have an hourly rate in mind. Because, you know, one, when you're first starting, it's very hard to quote how many hours something is going to take. You don't have the experience out there in the field to know how long it takes to set up, how long it takes to shoot, how long it takes to break down, to edit, to, you know, deal with the admin stuff. Because even if it takes 10 hours for the job itself, you got two, three hours of admin on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. Of just emails and invoicing and stuff like that. So in the beginning, an hourly rate is nice while you figure out, you know, how many billable hours a job takes. Then once you progress past that and you know how to flat fee bill, it's still nice to have the hourly rate in mind for kind of out of scope work. You know, what if you're there and you scoped out a certain, you know, whatever wedding photo shoot and they want to have a last minute add-on? Well, how are you going to price it? You kind of guesstimate how many hours, you multiply by hourly rate, boom, there we are, right? It also helps you review your hourly uh, projects. You know, mm-hmm. it lets you look at it and say, am I shortchanging myself? Yeah, I quote him $3,000, but at the end of the day, did I make as much as I wanted to make? You know, so I think while I prefer flat fee billing, I think there's still a place for having an hourly rate in mind. You know, I don't think we should throw it out just yet. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so interesting that you share that um, because we often talk about pricing and we, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to talk about this because it's it's so interesting. I often say, oh, don't look at the competition. 
to, because I think for us, especially a lot of our listeners, I think emotionally price themselves. And so when they're looking Mm -hmm. at the competition, I think they look at like, and again, just following the photography example, I think they look at it's like, oh, their work is better than mine. So I can't charge that much. Or it's like that emotionality comes into it. Um, And so that's why we usually recommend not doing that. But I kind of like that you said that because at the same time, you can't just like randomly pick a number in space and not know like Mm -hmm. what the market is actually like what is logistically out there so i think there is a a time and place for that so i'm I'm glad you Mm -hmm. said that um but it it is interesting because there is so much emotionality attached to pricing yourself and i think that has to also be a part of the conversation too yeah there's a lot of imposter syndrome you know i get it when Mm -hmm. i first started up i had it too you know but you also have to be practical like you were saying if everyone's charging 100 bucks an hour you can't come in right off the bat charging a thousand, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when you do feel like an imposter and you don't know what you're worth, you feel like your work isn't as good as them, that you weren't, you aren't worth what they are. But mm-hmm. it shows you what the market is. Because if you're in a yeah. vacuum and you don't have the market telling you, and if you don't have someone like, you know, you guys telling them and explaining what you're worth, people are just going to go, oh, well, minimum wage is $10 an hour in my area. I'll charge 15 and that's mm-hmm. not a good rate at all. But once yeah. you go and you look at everyone else in your area, you realize, oh, my area is 75 bucks an hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have imposter syndrome. You don't feel comfortable charging 75, but you charge 50, which is leagues better than 15. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. And I think even along this, this topic, Michael, of kind of what you were saying earlier of, you know, it's not quite time to throw the hourly rate out of the window. I also wanted to to chime in with Lindsay and I still, for the most part, know our average hourly rate, not just for billing, you know, our clients or, you know, our coaching students or anything like that. It's also so that we know our return on investment in mm-hmm. the sense of like our time. So yeah. I love knowing my hourly rate in the sense that, you know, I choose to outsource, you know, different things in my life. Somebody does my laundry mm-hmm. for me, you know, somebody else does like just different things that, you know, I pay, I use Instacart to have other people go grocery shopping for me yeah. because I know the hour that it would take me to grocery shop is way more, you know, expensive than the $15, $20 that it would cost mm-hmm. me to pay Instacart and the, the you know, shopper for me. So yeah. I think just tagging on, on top of what you were saying to not just for billing purposes to know your hourly rate, but also just for lifestyle purposes and recognizing, is this worth my time? Am I, you know, giving an hour to a friend or, you know, somebody asked me to be on a podcast? Is that worth it? Just different things. I think recognizing that our time is money and that our hourly rate, we need to take into account in a lot of different areas of life and business. Definitely. And I think that also your examples were a little bit more personal, but it applies to business too. You know, Mm -hmm. do you want to outsource certain jobs? You know, that could be things that are directly related to your business, you know, maybe photo editing, video editing, or it could be more admin things. Do you want to have uh, your services that are kind of like call centers where you don't pick up the phone, the number goes to a call center, or do you want to outsource your accounting? You know, Mm -hmm. do you want to spend 10 hours a month doing your accounting, beating your head head against the wall or (laughs) pay someone 300, 400 bucks and they'll do it right. You know, if you know what your hour is worth. Sometimes it's better to outsource it and just mm-hmm. either spend time with your family or be out there making more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I got a bookkeeper pretty quickly into business because <laughs> it was not worth <laughs> yeah. the hours and the headache for me. 
Yeah, definitely. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling. Video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. (laughs) Clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay. But here's the truth. One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack our contracts in our shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. Okay, Michael, switching topics just a little bit. I want to dive into the conversation on retirement uh, because I know building wealth or growing wealth is also something that you're super passionate about. And I think as entrepreneurs, we're, we're kind of forced to think about that because we don't necessarily have a corporate job that, you know, magically includes a 401k for us or, mm-hmm. you know, we have to do that ourselves as self-employed business owners. So what is your biggest advice on how to get started for saving for retirement as someone who is self-employed? The first step is if you're not someone who's already saving, you got to learn how to save, right? Because when you do have the corporate gig and they do have the 401k, the way it works is you just sign the piece of paper and you say, oh, take a hundred bucks out of my paycheck. And then yeah. you have to make do with whatever else they give you. But when you're, an empl- when you're a business owner, you're your own employer, you don't have that luxury. Now you got to partition the money, right? So first things first is you got to learn how to set aside the money, right? In the beginning, I would say 
Open a second bank account, preferably one without monthly fees. Most of your credit unions will have one, some online banks. And even the big banks will kind of, when they decide fees, aggregate all your uh, balances, right? And then open the second bank account and save into there. Start small, 20 bucks a, a week, right? And build your way up. Once you're saving like 100 bucks a week and you're comfortable and you don't have to worry about tipping into it and you're living life with what's left over, then you can start talking about setting savings goals and setting up retirement plans, right? Setting savings goals can get really complicated in and of itself, but the gist of it is you need to have a conservative estimate for how much you'll need in retirement, right? So how much do you need per year to live your life? And how much do you think you'll need depending on your age, 10, 20, 30 years from now, which is a tough question, but you know, a solid guesstimate is good when you're starting. You know, Consider maybe your mortgage will be paid off. You just have property taxes and utilities now, but maybe your medical bills will be higher. Right, just something conservative to start with, and then you have to consider opening uh, business retirement accounts, right? And to cop out again, talk to your accountant, right? <laughs> because there are a lot of options, right? And they're confusing, and it really depends on your business. You know how much your business is making, uh, where your tax rates are, whether you have employees or not. Because with some uh, business retirement accounts, if you contribute to your retirement account. You also have to contribute to your employee. And, you know, while a lot of business owners love their employees and want to treat them well, there's a big difference between tossing them an extra thousand or two in retirement savings and making a massive 25% contribution, especially if you're paying some, <laughs> them something like $50,000 a year, right? Right. Huge difference, right? So that's a conversation to have. It's a reality of being a business owner, right? But just to kind of give you a really kind of generic, basic, understanding of these accounts because you know i know this question comes up all the time with my clients mm -hmm. uh, there's a few different types right there's traditional accounts right a traditional accounts will give you a tax deduction and reduce your taxes today and then later when you pull the money out you'll pay taxes on it and on the other side there's roth accounts which will not give you a tax deduction today and then later when you pull the money out you don't have to pay taxes on it right those are pretty much the two flavors of retirement account it's one or the other and then when you go on from there, and this is the part you really should talk to an accountant about, well, your accountant about, um, you've got your IRAs, your SEP IRAs, your 401ks, right? Mm -hmm. The things to look out for, right, before you go set up your own is with IRAs, um, there are certain caps on whether you can deduct depending on how much you make per year, right? With SEP IRAs, if you make a contribution to your own retirement account, you have to contribute to all your employees a similar percentage. And with 401ks, if it's just yourself and you have a solo 401k, you can find a free provider that doesn't charge you fees. But if you have employees, it will cost money just for the account to exist every year. And that amount could be as little as 1000 and can be up to like $5,000. So have a 401k just exist. Not even put money in your account, exist. Because there's all, sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of testing and compliance that has to be done with it. And it is heavy duty. And you do not want to do it yourself. Technically, you could, but make it someone else's problem. Because if it goes south, it's going to cost you know ten to a hundred times more to clean it up than it would have been just to pay the compliance fee to someone else. You know, but it's something to look out for. Mm, I love that. Well, Michael, for anyone who, I guess. I feel like a common issue with entrepreneurs today is that we don't think, like Lindsay was saying, it's kind of 
we're forced to think about retirement when we're self-employed, but I actually feel like a lot of self-employed people don't think about retirement because I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of reasons for that, but I think that's what I'd kind of love to talk to you about is why do you think most business owners don't save for retirement and don't plan for retirement? Like, is it just being uneducated? Like we don't, you know, we don't know better or is it like overwhelmed? Like what have you seen in your, I guess, experience? Yeah, I have to agree with you. The majority of entrepreneurs, small business owners don't. That's, you know, my experience with my business clients, my experience talking to other accountants and financial advisors. A lot of small business owners don't save until they're doing really, really great. But the reality <laughs> is, even who are not doing amazing, you know, you got to plan for retirement. You know, this is tough advice and no one wants to hear it. But if you don't save for retirement, you're either going to work forever or you're going to live off Social Security and hope your kids take care of you, which, you know, after working your whole life isn't a fun way to end it. You know, yeah. no, no one wants to think about it, but it's a reality. And like, I've seen the other end of it. It's not fun, right? Mm-hmm. When it happens to clients and on the topic of working forever, your job may be fun now, but I don't know how fun lugging around equipment is when you're supposed <laughs> to be retired. Amen. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's not construction, the most physically intensive work, but it's not like an office job, right? Yeah. Right, for sure. <laughs> you're especially if you're doing destination shoots or something, got set up mm-hmm. on site. It's a lot of lugging stuff around, you know. Yeah. I'm already like, I'm done. Like, I'm already like, okay, <laughs> it's my yeah. getting old. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, and you don't realize till you're up there, you know. Right. That's I think so. There's like an even even deeper issue in here that I also want to just chime in and add is mm-hmm. almost like with thinking about retirement and saving for, I, I almost want to present the idea of like building a legacy into this, which kind of like goes into a whole deeper concept. But like mm-hmm. when I think of what I'm doing in my life and what I'm working towards and why I'm working towards, I don't want to get to 80 and then have to like, have my kids rely, like I'm reliant on my kids. Like I want to build a life that is Mm -hmm. so stewarding what I have and so smart that like I've built wealth that they can then build onto. I think that's really a really Mm -hmm. cool way to look at it. And I think that that conversation, like we can't wait till we're in our forties or fifties or sixties to start thinking about that. Like that conversation starts now. And I know with obviously saving for retirement, obviously the earlier, the better. So it's like, even if you're 18 years old, like this is a conversation to start having. And especially if you're an 18 year old entrepreneur or just a young entrepreneur, um, I just, I wanted to bring that topic of, of legacy into it. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I often, I kind of, I think I read a book. I can't remember. It's been a long time ago, but I read a book that kind of related building your retirement and building your life's vision to almost, a, a, a very similar concept of how people built cathedrals in Europe back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like a cathedral took thousands and thousands of years to build. And so not one was built in a single person's lifetime. And yeah. I kind of look at it the same way. It's like, I want to build a legacy that lasts long after I'm gone. And in order to do that, you have to be financially stable and you have to be smart with your money and you have to, you know, save and be smart in a way that, doesn't pigeonhole yourself or your children and force them to like take care of you when when you're old. And I just, I don't know, that's 
it's like there's like the logical side of this but then i think it's like so much deeper and there's so much meaning and like why are we saving for retirement what are we building with our life and what direction like what legacy i guess do we want to leave when we're gone i just mm-hmm. got deep sorry but <laughs> into the no. conversation. <laughs> it's important because i think now you're touching on proper goal setting so i think yeah. that kind of gets forgotten we kind of forget why we started our businesses a lot of the time you know a lot of us started our businesses to have better lives for ourselves and our families. And somewhere along the way, it gets lost. And we always have mm-hmm. to remember and tie back to our personal lives why we did this. You know, mm-hmm. if we wanted a job where we clock in, clock out, and we make decent money, we could have done that anywhere. We could have been an employee. But why do we do this? For some people, it's like you're saying, they want to build the legacy. They want to, not an empire, but they want to you know, provide for their children even after they're gone. They want to have a business that can be taken over. You know, a lot of people want that. But on the other hand, other people want, you know, to work 20 hours a week and have a good enough living, right? It's important mm-hmm. to remember why. Why did yeah. we do this? You know? It's so good. I think that helps just keep you on on track and keep you focused. And Lindsay and I have a lot of, we, we teach a lot and talk a lot about goal setting and the importance as entrepreneurs because it it gives you, you know, a, basically a path like to walk on and you're not just fumbling around trying to figure out, oh, am I on the right road? Am I headed the right direction? Like, you know exactly where you're going and why you're going there. And, you know, those seasons of business where it's really intense and overwhelming that, you know, you're able to recognize, okay, I'm just putting in extra work to go up this hill right now. Mm -hmm. But I'm, you know, there's, there's a purpose behind it that goes so much deeper than just like I work. It's, you know, bigger than just the day in day out work. So I love that we even touched on this when it comes to to finances and numbers too. (laughs) To continue that analogy, a great uh, metaphor I once heard was the reason you need goals is the same reason Google Maps needs a destination. If you open Google Maps on your phone, it knows your location, but it can't tell you how to get somewhere unless you tell it where you're going. And the same kind of goes for your business and your life. Until you know where you're going, you'll never be able to plan the route there. Right? Oh, that's a good analogy. Right? (laughs) I wish I could credit oh. where I heard it. I just don't know. But that's oh, that kind of man. thing. Oh, man. I'm going to use How that. Have I never heard that analogy before? Because that is right. perfect. Because I talk, Lindsay and I talk all the time about like goal setting and how important it is. And I think there have been times when I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, no, you don't get it. Like, it's so important. Like, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't run a scalable, sustainably successful business without having those goals in place. And that is just like the perfect analogy that like you can't get to your destination. You can't, you know, figure out the route to get there until you have a destination in mind. So I love that, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Michael, to kind of like circle back to the original question, Mm -hmm. why do you feel most business owners don't save for retirement? Like, what do you think is the, the cause behind that? Yeah. So I think it's two main things. One, there's just poor financial education. It's not just directed at business owners, but it's everyone across the board. Like, I don't remember in high school or college learning anything about mortgages, insurance, mm-hmm. student yeah. loans, budgeting. I mean, I learned about taxes, but I'm an accountant. That's why I went to school for. <laughs> but outside of my tax classes, I didn't have a general, this is how life works. Like, I remember getting my health insurance, like being on my own health insurance and just being like, oh, What's going on? You know, (laughs) what the heck? (laughs) How does any of this work? You know, you're just never taught. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, like, 
with a mortgage, if you miss a payment, you get an angry letter from the bank like, where is our money? Pay us mm-hmm. our money or else, right? With taxes, you eventually get a letter from the IRS, utilities, phone bill, all those things. Like they'll just shut off your power, you know? You'll find out the hard <laughs> way. But with retirement, you don't find out till you're 55 and your friends are talking about, oh, I'm thinking about moving to Florida when I retire. Then you're like, oh, crap. I was supposed <laughs> to save, right? Yeah. So just bad financial education and you're never forced along the way. There's no entity that comes in and twists your arm and says, save money or else. You just mm-hmm. have podcasts with me who says things like that. <laughs> um And then the second thing on top of that is you're just busy running a business. And it's much harder to save money when you're running a business than it is as an employee. You know, everyone talks about running a business like it's the path to wealth. And it can be. It definitely can be. But when you're an employee, you know, you just sign that paperwork at your job and they put the money in the 401k for you. You know, your paycheck, unless you're a commission-based, your paycheck is constant. You have to worry about cash flow issues. There is no off-season for you. You know, it's just every single week, every single paycheck, the money's taken out in place there. But now, not only do you have to run the business, but you have to find the money in the business to save. And you have to figure out all these things about saving for retirement. Not just what investments to pick, but what accounts to open. And all sorts of things that weren't a problem before are now problems. And no one taught anyone any of this. And it just gets difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And no one wants to have the conversation because the reality of the... um, to go on a little bit of a tangent, the reality of the financial <laughs> advising industry is they typically charge what's called an assets under management model, where they charge a percentage of whatever they're holding for you. So if you only have $10,000 saved and they're charging you 1%, they're not really making money on it. You're not that attractive for clients. You know, If you have a really good financial advisor, they'll definitely help you out. But it's a reality of how they make money. So sometimes you'll have to find an hourly financial advisor in the very beginning Or find someone who's good and cares and wants to help you grow. Or maybe your accountant can kind of give you tips. They won't help you with investment advice because you need a special license for that. But, you know, find the right people in the beginning. That's Mm. such good advice. Well, and I also, Mm -hmm. as you were saying that, I'm like, why do they teach like calculus five in high school, but not (laughs) how to save a retirement? Like you would think that that would be a normal thing that is taught. But alas, here we are trying to do it ourselves. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's so good, even what you said, Michael, of just uh, kind of like if I were to give what I just took away from this conversation in general, but especially what you just said, is just to get the right people onto your team, whether that's an accountant who can help you kind of advise and walk through, you know, just getting started with how to pay yourself and setting up the, you know, the different structures within the back end of your business or, you know, down to stepping into saving for retirement and investing into retirement and just different things like that. That's the first thing, like just get the right people, people who know, people who have been trained, people who have that experience Mm -hmm. and have that education and knowledge, but then also just start small and, Mm -hmm. you know, take beginning steps like $20 a week in a separate savings account. And, you know, you don't have to start and do everything all at once. You're, you can start right where you are. You're not necessarily behind on anything. As long as, you know, you start and start small, you can do it. It's not this big, terrible beast that's going to eat you alive. It's just something that you have to start small with. So is that like a, a general synopsis? Yeah. Relatively accurate. I mean, like they say, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best, best time is today. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to get there unless you start today. And- mm. Love that. Okay. Well, Michael, we always ask every single guest this. We love because we get so many different answers. Um, and it's kind of a big question, but what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business as a whole? Okay. So I'll give you one of the bigger lessons I learned, not as an accountant or a business advisor, my advice, but in my own journey, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, I read a book, I believe it was called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. And to be honest, I don't remember 99% of it. I'm sure it was a great book. I hope he's not listening. That'd be upsetting. <laughs> um, <laughs> please don't hate mail me. Um, there was one excerpt and I remember it was something along the lines of, you cannot build a successful business and have someone's approval. And it wasn't in the way that, you know, you'll eventually upset some people along the way. It was specifically talking about your mentors. You can't build a successful business and have the approval of your mentor, your parents, your spouse, your kid, your whatever, all the time. Eventually, Mm. you will have a disagreement and you will have to go with what you think is right. And for me, once I kind of implemented that into my business and really took it to heart, there was a definite shift in how I made decisions, right? Mm. So for me, that was the thing. Oh, that's so that. good. I think that goes along too with like the the quote, I don't know who said it, but the quote that is like, you can be the juiciest, ripest peach, but there's <laughs> yeah. always going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. I mean, it just, it, in entrepreneurship in general, like there's always going to be someone who is upset that you're doing something a certain way or, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why, mm-hmm. you know, just, I feel like there's always going to be someone who doesn't fully understand what you're doing and you just kind of have to learn to embrace that and roll with it. So yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor to talk to you for anybody that wants to follow up or just follow you online, check you out, hire you. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you could find me at xteenadvisory.com, but because you know everyone's listening in the car or on a run, you can find me at hashtag michael.com. You got to spell it out, hashtag michael.com. It will redirect you because realistically, I can't spell my last name sometimes. <laughs> So let's make That's it easy. So right? I love that. Hashtag Michael.com. I'm sure there will be a link in the show notes, but yes, for sure. everyone can remember a redirect that stupid as hashtag Michael.com. Um, <laughs> and then when you get there, there's like no honestly crappy ebook to download because I hate those, right? How many mm. times have you gone download an ebook and you're like, wow, that sucked. So instead, <laughs> go there. There'll be links to everything. Stalk me. Right. Read the newsletter archive, read my LinkedIn post and decide, do I want to sign up for the newsletter? Do I want to add him on LinkedIn? It's up to you. You know, no bribing, no forcing. Just do what you feel is right. Right. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here today and dropping so much expertise and knowledge (laughs) and kind of behind the scenes glimpse of you know, I guess a conversation you would have with maybe like one of your clients or something. We just got to sit out on a little bit of your overview conversation. So thank you for being here. It was so fun to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a fun time.